Welcome to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast, all about real estate investing in the Calgary market. Today's show is sponsored by Mikasa Home Inspections, Calgary's top-rated home inspection company. Mikasa understands that the highest quality of service is essential, so make sure to call Mikasa before your next real estate deal. And now your host, Corey Peckford. Hi, thanks for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. Today, I had an awesome conversation with Leanne Pratt, who invested in real estate with her partner. They're able to bring different perspectives and strengths to help them on the real estate journey. They were able to secure a threeplex and convert it into a fourplex while house hacking it. Leanne has a background in HR, which is definitely advantageous for rental client screening, and they have niched into a client profile. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, today I'd like to welcome Leanne Pratt to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Corey. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. So let's start off with, if you could just tell me about your background in real estate investing and how you got into it. Absolutely. My partner always wanted to be in real estate investing. We were really young when we started dating, like maybe 22 or 23, when we really started seriously talking about it. And I personally didn't understand the vision, but he did. He always knew that he wanted long-term rentals or short-term rentals or real estate for the long haul. And I always trusted the vision. So he kind of always had that in mind for us. And we bought our first property back in 2015. So we've had that property for seven years now. And that's kind of where everything started for us. His background is in the trades. The guy is brilliant. He can build or fix anything, um, mechanical, technological, trade related. Like he's just, he's very smart. And for myself, my background is in HR. So human resources, I've always specialized in training and development. And I've also always loved interior design. So I was like, you know what? You want to build, I want to design. It just sounds like a dream come true. So that's kind of our background. And We've been more seriously investing probably the last two years and really been loving it. Oh, that's awesome. And kind of a great complement of skills, right? Where you guys would both bring different perspectives to the table, different viewpoints and experience. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, it's been a great partnership. Yeah, like you said, the different viewpoints, different understanding, even strengths, having human resources as a background versus the trades. It's been such an amazing balance. So it's different to work with your partner. It's weird. Like, Have you ever wanted to fire him? <laughs> Nobody's probably wanted to fire me. Actually, maybe yeah. sometimes he like crushes my design ideas. He's like, yes, yeah, too much money. So, you know, it's good because he's level headed. And like you said, we balance each other, but he's the project manager and I'm the apprentice. And so this stays probably that's <laughs> awesome. I know it's this is a bias, but I always think HR is the person that's gonna show up and fire somebody. <laughs> But I know you guys do more than that. I know. <laughs> I'm the HR that's like, is everyone getting along? Does everyone have the training that they need? Do you feel you've been set up for success? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, That's a better part of the HR for sure. I think so too. My next question, are you guys doing it part-time or full-time? Yeah, part-time. I wish it was full-time. That's the goal. Yeah, for sure. So your vision for say the next how many years to get into full-time where you guys would be? Um, I actually just left my career behind in HR recently to pursue real estate full-time. So I finished my real estate license and that's kind of a stepping stone to hopefully get us there a little bit quicker. But yeah, I would say five, six, seven years would be unreal for this to be full-time and our properties just generating enough money that really we don't have to be working as much as we are. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So how long have you guys been doing the real estate investing? How many years? 
like I said, we kind of accidentally got into it about seven years ago. We bought our first property when we were, yeah, like 22, 23, 24. And we thought we'd be in that property for a while, but I wound up taking a promotion that relocated us to Vancouver for a couple of years. So we became accidental landlords really quickly with that property. And it's been great. So we purchased that property and then we purchased a fourplex about two years ago as well. And we've been working through that one unit by unit. Yeah, I would say that we got really seriously into investing probably two years ago. Being in Vancouver really set us back. The promotion was amazing. I don't regret taking it at all, but obviously the Vancouver market is pretty insane. And to be able to purchase real estate like we are out here in Alberta, we just could never do. So we made the decision to relocate to Calgary because this is what we knew we wanted. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually a huge net migration for Alberta is either BC people or Ontario. Or Ontario. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're still seeing that. Like a lot of my clients are BC and Ontario. Alberta's like on hold. Alberta's like, no, we're going to wait for the market change. BC and Ontario are just coming in like crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. We're going to dive into the fourplex a little yeah. deeper. We do a deeper dive. We talked a little bit offline. It sounds like it's kind of been a burr, you know, kind of yeah. slash home hack kind of deal, right? Where you yes. guys have been nailed it all sorts of stuff yeah did you guys find that one on mls or did you find it offline we did actually i found it on mls myself and we had really limited options when we were looking to buy we knew where we wanted to be in the city we knew what we were looking for we kind of thought oh maybe a single family home with a basement suite but then we started looking at prices and thinking at that time we're like why are we going to buy two units if we can buy four so we had pretty low inventory to choose from so we just found it on mls and it worked out so well for us we had limited options Yeah, I think you said there was like only like two options even available, right? Yeah. Yeah. That fit our price range and our location. And we might chat more about it, but one of the properties wouldn't actually let us view it without putting in a contingent offer. And we were like, uh, that doesn't work for us. So we wound up going with this one and like, we just got so lucky. It's unreal. Yeah. It seems pretty crazy that the seller would be that adamant about, okay, you can't even look at this property. Yeah. I get you've got tenants, but that's the nature of the business. If you're going to sell your property and it's tenanted, you got to let buyers come through, maybe do an open house, however you want to get around it, but you've got to mitigate that issue so that people are interested. They can come into your property. Anyway, that's a different conversation. (laughs) So when you bought this, I mean, the market was different then, but was it a multiple offer? Did you have time to kind of negotiate? Oh my gosh. I think that we got lucky that he was a tired landlord and he didn't want the property anymore. It was a hundred percent of buyer's market. We actually bought this property March, 2020, right as the pandemic hit full force. It's also crazy to think that now we're thankfully out of that two years later, but we bought and closed March like 12th, March 17th, 2020. And then the whole world shut down, which was crazy. And that's again, a different story, but we got so lucky. It was a buyer's market. It had been sitting on the market for a while. We negotiated them down quite a bit. Like you couldn't find that deal now. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet for sure. Yeah. And what was the condition like? Was it in poor condition? Yeah, it was in pretty poor condition. We knew it needed a lot of work. So you and I were saying earlier before we started recording, it's kind of a unique property in that one of the units is unfinished, just like bare concrete. So the three units that were already available and already built, pretty rough shape. We gutted one, rebuilt it from the ground up. It was just super shoddy work, really weird layout, just a mess. And then the other two were more cosmetic, but still a lot of work. Like we refinished hardwood floors. We rebuilt an entire kitchen, obviously new paint, built the fireplace behind us with the custom built-ins. So each unit has had a lot of work done and now we're building the fourth one from the ground up, which has been really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah. So it was a three unit and now you guys are going to go to a four unit, Correct. Is that right? Yeah. And then you're pulling permits and having to deal yeah. with the city and stuff. So yeah. can you kind of share some stuff about that process? Yeah. Again, I think timing played a big part because we were in the thick of this during COVID. Everyone was doing home renovations, right? Everyone was home. Everyone was like, well, I can't travel. Might as well spend my money on the house. So permits were so backed up. There were such delays and everything. And it felt like every one step forward was two or three steps back. We would submit a floor plan. It would pass inspection, pass inspection, hit a different department. And you know, someone would say, no, we flagged this. You've got to change this. So even just getting the initial floor plan approved, it took like five months, six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was actually crazy. And then there was other things too that were really interesting. We own a property that only has street parking. We don't have a back lane. We don't have a driveway. We actually had to have an asphalt driveway put in to provide parking in order for the permit to be approved for the suite development. So, and I mean, that was something we had kind of planned on doing anyway. Street parking sucks in Calgary in the wintertime, but just, you know, that's like a four or $5,000 expense on top of building the unit that maybe someone else wouldn't have been prepared for. So yeah, the permitting has been a slow process, but like, thankfully, Things are moving now, plumbing, electrical, like everything is good. So, yeah. yeah. And so you had enough frontage then to put in a driveway, thankfully, on the front. And did it have like the rolled lip kind of curb or do you have to change it? It did. Yeah. Now? Like we had contractors come in and do the driveway and then you have to have the city to come in to take a chunk out of the sidewalk and kind of flatten it. Yeah. It was a bit of a process, but yeah, it's yeah. amazing now that it's done. Yeah, we love it. So. Oh, that's good. And is the city making you in this newest suite? What are they making you put in for heating and stuff? What's the changes there? Oh, you're testing me. I forget. Oh, the this is going to be your, <laughs> yeah. your partner side, right? <laughs> yeah, we've got baseboard heating down there. Sorry, I should say we were originally planning to do baseboard heating, but we swapped at the last minute, had them reapprove the permits for a fireplace, which has been fun because it's a great focal point, puts off a lot of heat. Sorry, it's a gas fireplace? Electric. Electric? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yep. But yeah, and then... There's certain things too, like resilient channeling that you've got to put up on the ceiling when you're putting your drywall up so that it's better soundproofing. There's a lot with the heat and the ventilation. Yeah. I feel like if you and I had talked maybe six or eight months ago, I could have spewed it all off. But now that we had taken a break, it's like, it's a stretch, but yes. Oh yeah. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. And then any major surprises, like from the time you bought it till now, like any sort of like big capital things that you were like, oh my gosh, I, you know, mm. Like the roof would, was good. It was yep. all like kind of, that was all. Yeah, roof was good. We had a little bit cracks in foundation that we didn't see in the home inspection because they weren't present till we ripped the units apart. So when we had some of the flash flooding, we could see the new drywall we had put up was starting to leak with the floods coming through the foundation. So we repaired that. Truthfully, I feel like other than the permitting with the city, it's been pretty great. The biggest learning has really just been time. Like, you know, there's no HGTV team that comes in behind the scenes. It is just him and I like rebuilding four units ourselves. We've had a little help from friends and family. We have some amazing friends and family, but you know, it's him and I who work very full-time jobs. My partner works away up North. I work a very, very full-time job myself. I would come home some days when he was home and think, oh, it doesn't look like you got much done. And he was like, you have no idea how slow it is to do this one person, no help. And then when I started to get into it more full-time with him too, it was really realization, like things move slowly. So projected timeframes, just the workload, you know, there's so much that goes into it that you don't think about, or maybe you think you understand, you really have no idea when you get into the thick of it, but thankfully no crazy surprises. 
Yeah. And yeah. older properties are always more difficult to rental than say, if you had a brand new slate, brand new build, yeah. you're not going in and dealing with other people's mess yeah. that someone's left behind. Right. Absolutely. Like I said, the very first unit we did, we gutted, like we walked in real, what is this? We yeah. gutted the entire thing. And that process alone, just to demo the unit, get all the garbage out and clean it up and get ready to build. Like that's a whole process in itself. But I will yeah. say I love demos so much. <laughs> I did not think I was going to love it. Yeah. I love it so much. So demo building design, it's all been amazing. Oh, that's awesome. I rented a 1959 bungalow and I've done new stuff too. And nice. the 59 bungalow was just, you open something up and it's just the wiring mess and just issues yeah. and just multiple homeowners <laughs> have done the handyman special, right? And it yep. just, it yep. really slows things down for sure. Absolutely. I agree. So for property management, are you guys hiring it or are you taking care of it yourself? We self-manage. It's something actually that I, unpopular opinion, but I actually really enjoy it. We've got amazing tenants. So we have four units right now. We're building the fifth. So we're just doing it ourselves. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And then you had mentioned the neighborhood that you guys were focusing on, yeah. looking at only two units. What was the reason? And can you also share what neighborhood that is in Calgary? Definitely. Yeah. So we purchased our fourplex in Tuxedo Park. It was important to us to be inner city. We knew we wanted to be in the Northwest because at the time I wanted to be close to my work. I was with that company for many years. And for the two years that we had that property, I was working every day. Actually, I, through the pandemic, I went to work every day. I, there was no work from home. So being close to work was really important to me. So we wanted to be in the Northwest. The one property we looked at was Bonas the one that wouldn't let us see without the contingent offer. And then this property was in Tuxedo Park, which we were brand new to Calgary too. Like we had maybe been living here eight months renting while we were looking for a property, but we knew we wanted inner city. We wanted to be close to state, UFC, downtown, Saddle Dome, 17th Ave. This location is unreal. It and is, yeah. It's also such a great community because it's an infill community. This one too, like you said, we've got big frontage. It's zoned RC2 zoning, which is sweet for a future developer. They can come and buy this property, bulldoze it, no problem. It just, we really lucked out with it. So yeah, Tuxedo Park's an awesome neighborhood. Yeah, honestly, I love it. Like Tuxedo Park, Highland Park, this area of the Northwest. I don't know, just, I really love it here. Yeah, we're really happy. And it's just yeah. been a great rental property. So yeah, yeah, that's great. And what was your target cash flow for your rental? Again, you and I were talking earlier about some of the like real estate investing rules and things like the 1% rule came into play with this property. Like we ran the numbers a few times on it and it just, it always worked, whether it was the 1% rule or something else we were looking at. Targeted cash flow. I think at the time when we were purchasing, we would have been happy with like 200 to 250 per unit. And I still feel great about that. So that I think this unit, each one cash flows a little bit differently, but on average, we're looking at about 250 on the higher side, 300 per unit. So it does very well. Yeah. For the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And because the numbers obviously are different all the time, it was working at the 1% rule, right? When we purchase, yeah. And I should say for long-term rentals, like obviously if we were doing short-term rentals, I would be looking at something very different, but yeah, I would say yeah. 250 to 300 per unit. And you guys, time. you guys are currently keeping your eyes out looking still like for more opportunities. How hard is it now in this market with what's going on to get a property that fits the one? <laughs> a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, we've looked at other fourplexes like what we have and we even contemplated selling it during the height of it just for a minute. We're like, what would we get for this? You know, a property like what we bought in 2020 and we paid 515. I think it was listed for 560. We got them down to 515. Like similar properties were being listed for 800, 900,000, just short of a million, which is crazy. Wow. So even to take it on the low end, right? 800,000 at the 1% rule, like you're wanting to bring in eight grand a month and you're just not 
going to get that necessarily. So yeah, it is a lot tougher now. I think the big thing too, is to take everything with a grain of salt. You know, maybe you're not purchasing an F4 plex right now. Maybe you're purchasing a smaller property where, you know, interest rates and things aren't going to be such a massive factor, but yes, it was harder these last two years to find a deal for sure. Things are changing as everyone is talking about. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, this kind of leads into the next question quite well. So in your opinion, what would be an attractive property for an investor and why? I guess depends the style of investing you're looking for, right? Are you looking to burr a property? Are you looking to have a short-term rental? I think if you're looking for short-term rentals, the one thing I'll say is Calgary's an unreal city to invest in. It's actually the highest city in the country, the entire country for occupancy rates. It outperforms Vancouver. It outperforms Toronto. Calgary has the highest occupants for short-term rentals, which is super cool. So obviously, if you're thinking short-term rentals, inner city, downtown, that kind of area is a fantastic place to invest. If you're thinking burrs, I'm partial to the Northwest myself for a few reasons, but obviously it's an older neighborhood. So you're going to find older homes that need some work that you can renovate, rehab, rent, and refinance. The other thing I would say for Calgary too, I feel like there's a lot of focus on that right now. Does the property meet the RC2 zoning for detached and semi-detached infill? There's a lot of investors looking for that. And again, the Northwest has a ton of those communities. Like I said, we live in one in Tuxedo Park, Highland Park, Hillhurst, Mount Pleasant, Altador, Bonas, Killarney. There's tons of these infill communities. And it's cool to drive through because you'll see their older um, communities kind of, I don't want to say being gentrified, but being rebuilt. And there's some really cool stuff happening in those areas. So Calgary has a ton of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Bonas, there's so much going on there for development. Bonas is huge. Yeah. So if we can talk about real estate investing advice, if you could just share some good advice or some good advice that someone shared with you. One that I think that was really valid for me (laughs) that I still struggle with is not to over-renovate or over-rehab your properties. It's a little bit different again for short-term rentals and if you're going for a crazy wow factor in an Airbnb, but for a long-term rental, which is what we've always done, not to over-renovate and not to put too much money in because you're not going to get that back in the rental. Great. So that was one I always struggled with because like I said, I love interior design. So being able to design a unit, build it, and then really go through and pick the finishes and make it beautiful. That's so fun for me. I love the creativity. My partner is the one standing back with the leash going like, okay, yep, no, we're not putting that tile in or we're not going to do that. So So I get really good balance. (laughs) No quartz countertops allowed? No quartz counters. No, we have done concrete counters though as a DIY and I love them. They're so gorgeous. They look nice. Yeah. Obviously super labor intensive to actually do it right and do it well, right? Yeah. Very labor intensive. But having done it now I would do it again in other properties like obviously you learn every time and yeah it looks so cool but yes no quartz counters no you know $25 per square foot tile there's other things you can do to have fun but try to um, avoid the carpets too right like oh yeah carpets are no go for me I don't know maybe again unpopular opinion other people's carpets just gross me out so we're really big on hardwoods or laminate um yeah in our in our rentals yeah yeah the vinyl plank flooring is super <sighs> Durable. LVP, and, yep. It's amazing. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So for the next question, can you share lessons learned? You know, it's just, you've got a lot of experience with this fourplex and investing. So it's just some lessons learned that stand out for you. 
One, I think like we touched on earlier, the timeframes, just managing expectations if you're doing it yourself, even if you are contracting some of the workout, it does take time. I love everything we've done. I love how much I've learned from my partner, but yeah, time is a big piece. So managing those expectations. The other piece too, just like knowing there's going to be hiccups, like you were saying, especially if you're dealing with an older property, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be issues, there's going to be permitting or delays with the city. So taking everything with a grain of salt and really learning to roll with it. And then I think the other pieces, like we said, just get started. So many people, you know, I want to invest. I want to invest. I want to do this. Are you actively looking for deals? Are you, you know, reading, learning, listening to podcasts? Or are you just kind of sitting back on the sidelines waiting? Pull the trigger if it's right, if the numbers make sense. But just take that first step. It's imperative. Yeah, you're going to learn way more by actually taking action than just sitting there reading material about properties. Absolutely. And even, I mean, like we talked a little bit about, yeah, we analyzed this property for the fourplex. You know, we knew we wanted to buy, we knew we wanted to get into this. Did we like analyze it to death? No. Should we maybe have analyzed it more? Maybe. But we're like, you know what? We're ready. We want to jump in. We think this is going to be a good fit. We just pulled the trigger and I'm so grateful we did. You know, when you're renovating the units, how long were you mm-hmm. without a renter for? Like, how long did it take you to get through? Mm-hmm. Good question. So we inherited tenants, which was what we wanted. It timed out really well with their leases. So like I said, it was originally three units. In fact, the lender tried to qualify it as a triplex. So the first tenant was out like right when we took possession in March, which was perfect. Gutted that unit right away. Then the next one, whenever their lease was up and then the next one. So, and then we've lived not in every unit as we've renovated, but we lived in two of them as we've been renovating. So how long have we been without renters? Pretty minimal, honestly. Like we've been able to time everything so well with the tenancy ending, renoing it, getting a new tenant in. And our tenants have been great. Like we've obviously told them, hey guys, we're doing work on the units and they've been amazing. And yeah, everything's just kind of timed out really well. That kind of ties into the house hacking, right? So where you're actually, hey, we're going to move into this unit. We're going to make it better, do the renovation. So we're not missing out on rental income from the other units. 100%. And like our big thing too was why are we going to pay to rent elsewhere? Now, don't get me wrong. It's not glamorous living in renovations. It definitely, you know, if you're like a neat and tidy clean freak, which I used to be, it really checks your your expectations when you're living in it. So, but yeah, it's like, why are you going to pay someone else's rent when you can pay your own mortgage? So yes, we moved into the first unit when it was probably like three quarters of the way done, maybe more, and then started renewing the next unit while trying to finish the one we were living in, got tenants in the second unit then we moved out of the first unit into the third unit and then got renters in the first unit and then redid a ton of work in the one we're living in so it was a busy year and a half of just like straight renovations i don't know but i kind of loved it it's not for everyone (laughs) no for sure it isn't from your learning what adjustments Mm -hmm. have you guys made i guess as a team as partners going through this Oh, that's a great question. Like I said, it really like on a relationship level, it's very different to work with your partner in that kind of situation. Like I said, basically he's the foreman or the project manager and I'm the apprentice. Sometimes it almost takes away from the romantic relationship that you have in your partnership at the end of the day, just to walk away from your job site, which is your home, right? You are not really closing the door and leaving. So it's important to take the time to spend with one another and go out and remove yourself from the work and the tasks and the projects because you can never escape it when you're living in it so that was a really big thing for us is we had to really put boundaries and expectations in place with one another like hey I really don't want to talk about that right now let's just spend time with one another yeah it was a really interesting period to go through in a relationship but again like I just can't speak high enough about it I was able to learn so much from my partner and 
the things that I have done now with him and the things that I can do without him, but it's different for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now I want to move into tenant screening. We're going to, because yeah. uh, obviously you got the experiences in HR and you bring that experience and education when you actually do screen a tenant, right? So mm -hmm. I'd love to ask you some questions about that. So Definitely. for you, like what is a tenant profile that you'd be seeking when you're looking to rent out one of your units? Great question. For us, because we have smaller units, our units are mostly two bedroom, one bath. We have one, one bedroom, one bath. So we are typically attracting young couples, students, young working professionals, people that are kind of in a transient stage in their life. Again, maybe they're going to school, they just need a rental or they're working to save and purchase a home of their own. But it's rare that we get tenants longer than two years. There's good and bad with that for sure. We also really attract tenants with pets. Um, we're pet friendly. We have a dog ourselves. She is a bully breed, looks like a pit bull. So we get how difficult it is for good people with pets to find a good rental. Honestly, yeah, young professionals with pets, that's kind of our target market. And Again, we've just had incredible people because we screen them so in depth. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then do you have a restriction? Like a lot of times people will have mm. like a pet size or maybe they yep. want dogs, no cats. Is there any sort of like... No, I am preferential to dogs over cats. I've never personally owned a cat, but we've had all of the above. Again, like I said, I think it really comes down to the people. It's not the pet. If you're a good pet owner you know, you're going to pay an extra monthly pet fee to have your pet there. That's your baby or whatever it might be. But if there's an accident because you're a good, clean tenant and you want to take care of your property because that's your home and you live there, if there's an accident, you're going to clean it up. You're going to walk them. You're going to vacuum more because of the dog hair. So really, like we've just had incredible people. We typically attract tenants with, again, like aggressive breeds. So German shepherds, pit bulls, everything like that, bigger dogs that there are restrictions out there. They can't get a rental. We benefit from those people tenfold. That is more of a niche for sure, because, you know, a lot of times you hear like 50 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, we're pet friendly, but they have to be kind of a yes. small pet, right? Absolutely. So is, you're going to attract more quality people that are going to like, Absolutely. hey, if we have a big dog. We have nowhere to go. We're going to take care of your place, that kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So tired, frustrated landlords. So we're going to kind of dig into this. <laughs> how do we avoid ever having that happen to us, right? So how do you avoid the disaster tenant or becoming a tired, frustrated landlord? That's such a good question. And you hear people talk about it all the time, right? They're like, well, I don't want to have rentals. I don't want to be fixing toilets at two in the morning, that kind of thing. And sometimes that happens for sure. But the biggest thing I can say is do your research, do your homework, bet your tenants, screen the ever living blank out of them. If you are not willing to do that work, maybe you shouldn't have long-term rentals. Your tenants are everything in your property. We all hear horror stories of how damaging a bad tenant can be. If you don't do your due diligence, that's my worst fear. I can't stress that enough. Do your research. It's time consuming. Or maybe you get a property management company. If you don't want to do that, hire it out. But your tenants are everything. So yeah, take the time to do the background check, the employment check, the reference check, the internet check, the credit score check, all of the checks. Do it or get a property management company to do it for you. Yeah, that's good advice. So what systems would you have in place? Like you kind of touched on some of it there, but what would you do when you're screening your tenant? Can you kind of go through the process and how you would about screening Definitely. someone? Something that's really important to me, and again, this is my HR background, but is fair, unbiased tenant screening. And we fall trapped to biases all the time, right? Age or attraction levels, male or female, gender roles, all these things we fall prey to. But some of the other biases, the halo effect and things like that, 
taking those into account when you're screening tenants is so important. Do we like this person? Cause, oh, we went to the same university and we have all these similarities, but are they actually good tenants? So there's a few things that I use right from the get-go when I'm showing units, I have a spreadsheet with however many columns and it's just questions that I want to ask each person as they're coming through the unit. Do you guys have pets? Do you smoke? What's your ideal move-in date? Ideal lease, all these kinds of things. It ensures that I'm communicating and asking them all the same fair questions, but I'm also communicating the information that I need to tell them, right? Maybe it's things about the utilities or backyard, whatever it is. So right from the get-go, I notate everything when I'm showing the units, making sure I'm asking them all the same fair questions. And then I look back on that information later. It's very, very helpful for me when I'm deciding. The other thing too, the rental application, obviously we use the standardized rental application for Government of Alberta. The biggest thing I can tell you on the rental application form too is obviously ask about employment. That's so crucial. But another really big tip is ask for the previous landlord as well as their current landlord. Their current landlord might just be their friend that they've asked if they can use their phone number. Get that previous landlord too. You get a lot of information from the previous landlord. That's honestly one of the most helpful things because a current landlord may not like that person and want them out. There's legality and issue in that as well. If you're a landlord, please don't ever lie to another landlord and say they're amazing when they're not because like that could really come back and bite you. But the previous landlord is under no obligation to lie or try and get them out. So anyway, that's my piece. Yeah. And even when you're calling to, you know, instead of saying, hi, this is Leanne, I'm phoning about Corey. He's applied for one of rental units. Maybe just call landlord and say, Hey, I saw that your property on X street is available for rent. Can you tell me about it? If they're not really the landlord, they're going to go, uh, what are you talking about? But if they are, they'll go, oh yeah, actually our tenants are leaving. And so there are just some things along the way that have been really helpful for us. So rental application, if they can't fill out the rental application, that might be a red flag to start. And then the next piece is like a standardized screening questionnaire for employers, landlords, and other references. Again, this just makes sure I ask the same bare questions to everyone that I'm interviewing. And it gives me really solid information to look back on when I'm deciding between applicants. The last thing I do is an Excel spreadsheet, and I will input really all the information I've obtained from an applicant into an Excel spreadsheet. Again, do they have pets? Do they smoke? Their desired move-in, their employer, their length of employment, their salary compared to monthly rent, all of the things. And then I analyze it on a numerical scale. This removes all emotion, all bias. Again, it's not like, oh, I really liked so-and-so because we both love this workout program, whatever it is. It's, hey, does candidate A outperform candidate B based on this ranking system? That has just served me so well in all of our years of landlording and tenancy. And yeah, something that I would highly recommend. I'm sure there's apps and systems out there that would maybe streamline this better because we self-manage and a big piece for us is because we live on site on the property, right? Corey, like you were saying, we house hack. So we live in one of our units. We see our tenants every single day. This is very much business, but it's also very much pleasure for us. This is our personal life. I'm not ready to let go of that yet because who lives in our fourplex with us is massively important. So yeah, are there systems to streamline? Probably, but this has just been so effective for me. Does it take a little bit more time? For sure. But again, this is my investment into my investment. So it's just, yeah, it's really been effective for us. That was a long-winded run. (laughs) No, hey, that's perfect. What kind of income are you looking for to rent? Like Great question. Three times the income to the monthly rent. The month rent, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay. And you guys charge an extra for having a pet. Is there an extra charge for that? Yeah. We used to do a pet deposit. 
I don't recommend it because deposits are refundable. We charge a monthly pet fee and it's great. It's just additional income that we get every month that's non-refundable. And again, a good pet owner, especially one that has a breed that's difficult to find a rental. We've been in the same boat ourselves where we paid monthly pet fees. We're happy to pay it. You're going to take our dog. No problem. We're happy to pay. So yes, we do charge a monthly non-refundable pet fee. Okay. And do you do any sort of follow-up checks to make sure that, hey, the pet isn't destroying my property, that kind of thing? Yes. Sometimes it's unscheduled. Like our tenant might text us and say, Hey, the shower is leaking. You know what? Honestly, it is an amazing opportunity for us to come in and see the space. So sometimes it's things like that. We also have in place to like a two month check-in like, Hey, we just want to come see how everything is doing. That's something that we're incorporating into our leases now moving forward for our tenants. But honestly, it's just, yeah, there's usually something that's popped up. Maybe the dryer hose broke or something. So it's always worked out that we've been in the unit within a few months to see how they're doing. I think that's so important. Really important for sure. Yeah. You don't want your property being destroyed for sure. hundred percent. Pets or no pets. You don't want your property. Yeah. No matter what. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So have you guys ever made a compromise on this tenant screening early on and end up regretting anything? Yeah, I so I love that I got time to think about this question. I really was struggling with it. I can't really say like, you know, it's not like we've been like, oh, they're smokers and we wish maybe we didn't have smokers. We've had such incredible tenants all of these years in all of our units. I would say maybe the income, if there was something more attractive about a tenant that they had a little bit lower income, but we still knew they could afford the property. You maybe we went with that applicant, but especially these last couple of years, since we bought this fourplex, Calgary's rental market has been so insane as has the housing market that we have really had our choice of like top of the pick of our tenants. So we haven't really had to make any compromises. Well, that's awesome. So you guys thankfully don't have any disaster stories. Do you have anything that you've heard from other <laughs> yeah. investors? Yeah. yeah. Even I had to laugh. Well, it's not funny actually at all, but we we're in Home Depot a couple months back and one of the guys was helping us and we were telling him, well, oh, yeah, we're working on one of our rentals. And he said, oh, I helped a lady once who her tenants ripped apart the drywall to pull the copper pipes out to sell for drugs. Oh, I wow. was horrified. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. If you don't do your due diligence as a landlord, it's terrifying. And I think we all know that even in a province like Alberta, where landlords have a lot more rights than say Ontario, the tenants are still so protected. So just do your due diligence. But yes, yeah. thankfully, no horror stories for us. I was in a property just recently. This lady was renting for 10 years to family friends who had good jobs, right? The one person was taught out of college, but they had multiple pets in this house and too many. And I guess they weren't getting them out enough. Then it was carpeted, but there was urine everywhere, like all the walls, all the underlay, everything that was just like horrifying. Yeah. Everything had to go right. So they kind of got it. Uh, all the fluorine and yeah it's pretty it's pretty gross yeah and of course obviously this person wouldn't have had a tenant screening it was just a hey we know you <laughs> and there was probably no rules set up in place it never went back in the property again for 10 years right so I think there's two things you touched on there that we'll probably talk about more later but yeah friends and family not always the best tenants <laughs> putting that out there and yeah. Yeah, get back into the unit, whether it's written into the lease that, Hey, we have a check-in two months after you move in, just to make sure that everything is working and you're doing okay. And then we have a check-in two months prior to end of lease type thing. Make sure you're getting into the unit hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are some red flags for tenants? So like if you're screening and let's say someone knows how to play the game, right? So they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, I'm a great person. What would be some red flags that you would look for that would kind of like trigger you to be like, okay, this person's 
That's a good question. Yeah. Sometimes they're obvious, right? Like we said, the friend is the landlord. That's a big one lying on your application. This one's maybe not so over, but the rent, again, the income to the rent ratio, if they've got lower income, and this is one I struggle with too. Some people are happy to pay a higher monthly rent to be in a place they want to be, even if that's like 50 or 60% of their income. And it's hard because, you know, as an individual, I can't make that choice for them. If that's what's important to them to have a beautiful home that they love and they're willing to pay 50, 60% of their income to be there, that's their choice. But for me, typically lower income to the rent ratio, that's kind of a red flag for me. Another one is poor communication and mannerisms. Again, I think you can tell a lot by people and the way they interact, the way they speak, their communication. We put all of our listings through Facebook Marketplace. I know there's Rent Faster, there's all these other sites. We've actually not had a lot of luck with those. Facebook Marketplace can be overwhelming because you get all the, hey, is this available? Hey, is this available? 30,000 messages. But what Facebook Marketplace provides that really no other site does is access to their personal lives. You can learn so much from someone by what they're posting on Facebook and things like that. That has just been so invaluable. So I think how people choose to communicate on Facebook Messenger or whatever platform you're using, that's a really big one for me. People that know how to play the games. I mean, I've heard horse stories of people that have rented a vehicle, like done a car rental, so that they show up to a viewing looking well put together and nice vehicle only to be like hoarders. And like you said, 10 animals, feces everywhere. Like there are people out there that are master manipulators or liars, or they're going to edit their credit score checks. Absolutely. Just the biggest thing I can say is do your due diligence, do the research, do all the checks. Yeah, um, if yeah. you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's, like that's going to help you. Heaven forbid you need to be in the eviction process type thing, but just do yeah. your research. Yeah, for sure. You've probably heard of the classic cash offer where, where, <laughs> where, where someone shows up, someone shows up yeah. like, oh, I'll pay three months cash right now. Months. Run, run, (laughs) do not just run. Yeah. I have had a few people offer that. It just gives me anxiety. I'm like, no, thank you. Uh, Yeah. No, that would be a big red flag for sure. Yes. They're they're trying to go, obviously, you know, don't do any of your due diligence. Let's just sign right now and get this done kind of thing. And yes. And one piece I'll say too, is even in desperate times, like And we've been in that situation too, where we didn't have amazing applicants coming. This was many, many years ago, but like maybe we went a month or two without tenants in. It is so much more detrimental to have a bad tenant in your unit for that one year lease than for you to go without a renter for a month or two. Take the loss, find a good tenant. Do not just throw someone in there who's offering cash or who seems kind of questionable, but you need that money. Don't do it. Make sure you've got the contingencies in place so that if you are vacant for a month or two, that you're covered. Yeah. Don't take cash. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. So any favorite apps for screening tenants? You got Mm. any software that you like to use? I guess I know, honestly, Facebook Marketplace has been so amazing. There are some systems you can kind of put in place with Facebook Marketplace, like when they reply to an ad, maybe they're sent to a link, they need to fill the application, that kind of thing. But again, because of our units, so many of them live so close to us, Facebook Marketplace has been unreal for applications and being able to vet people just one step further so yeah okay nice and then because you are kind of getting younger renters in what if they don't have a rental history what if Mm -hmm. you know they check all the boxes but it's like hey i've never rented a property before what would you do then 
Great question. We have encountered that actually. Yeah. Like you said, like young kids out of high school, looking for their first place, a couple of things you can do, talk to their parents, talk to their employers, talk to even personal references for them that, you know, can speak to a little bit about their cleanliness, their behavior, their work ethic, all the things and get a co-signer. We've got one tenant with a co-signer. It was really just like a backup thing. The tenant didn't need it, but she was like, I'm happy to get my dad on here if that makes you guys feel better. It's never been an issue. We've never actually had super, super young kids that needed a co-signer and a parent, but we have talked to applicants that their parents were willing to do that for them, which is really cool. Yeah. It's hard, right? Cause like these are young kids, they want to get started and someone's got to take a risk on them, but yeah, talk to the parents, get a co-signer. Yeah, that's good advice. So thankfully, this isn't your scenario. You guys have been doing a great job screening and you got sounds like awesome tenants. But let's say for that renter out there in Calgary, Alberta, or anywhere in Alberta, I guess, if they have a tenant that's starting to damage the property, you know, maybe paying the rent, what are some of the rules? Maybe if you can just cover some of the rights of the property owner. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is if you are dealing with an issue with your tenant, there's a couple of resources. So whether you reach out to the landlord and tenant board based out of Edmonton, I hope they still exist. They've been so helpful for me in the past. It's a resource where you can phone and ask some questions like, hey, I'm in this pickle with my tenant who's got what right and they're going to guide you through it's really amazing the other piece is to reach out to the residential tenancy dispute resolution services which is a mouthful but basically (laughs) the rtbrs and again i've never thankfully had to go this route myself but it's through the government of alberta's website they are a judicial tribunal that helps landlords and tenants resolve any issues before it gets to court so if you can nip something in the bud faster i would say look at those two resources to start because they're going to help guide you through yeah For sure. And then last question on tenants, but for someone that would be new, like what would you think would be maybe a common mistake that new landlords would make when they're screening a tenant? Good question. I think there's probably a few of them. Like we said, friends and family may not be the best tenants. Sometimes they are. Don't get me wrong. Honestly, my sister's one of my tenants. She's a dream. She cooks, she cleans, she takes my dog for a walk. I have a built-in friend. It's a dream come true, but that's not always the case. So be very careful with your friends and family, not digging deep enough. You know, did you internet stalk them? Did you check their Instagram, check their Facebook, see the kind of people they are? Did you talk to their employers? Did you verify their income? Did you talk to their landlords? People that don't do enough research, that's just like the biggest thing. Going off gut feeling, right, is another one. This one makes me sound really heartless and I have a hard time saying it because I am the personality type that's like, I want everyone to be happy and everyone to be taken care of. But be really careful of the sob stories. I'm the victim and this has happened to me. And sometimes people really tug on your heartstrings when push comes to shove, this is a business and you have to treat it as such. If there's red flags, don't ignore them. You know, be empathetic, always be kind. That's such a big thing that I, I want to say is like, always be kind. These are human beings, but just be very careful, protect your business at all costs. Yeah, for sure. I guess actually one more other thing to get their driver's license, get their IDs on all of your application forms. You should have a piece of government issued ID, maybe two if you needed it, but one just so that when you meet the person and you get their IDs, they are who they say they are. So just, yeah, protect yourself. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for going through the tenant profile. It was awesome. My pleasure. I don't know. That's something that I'm really passionate about, obviously, with my background being in HR, but this is just integral to your business if you're doing long-term rentals. So it's worth the investment and the time that it's going to take. Yeah. And it can make such a difference. It could destroy your business. Like it could get the wrong tenants and it could just destroy your whole desire to have a rental property, like all that stuff, right? 
And the opportunity with real estate, and like, this is something I think you and I could talk about forever, but the opportunities with real estate are infinite. They're incredible. If you take the jump, if you pull the trigger, but also make sure you protect yourself and you're careful. So the ability to have properties, you know, for 25, 30, 50 years that you pass on to your kids that you've paid off the 25 year mortgage or whatever it might be in these properties are cash flowing. Like the idea that you could live without working from real estate, that's incredible. So like you said, don't let bad tenants ruin that for you, but you've got to do your due diligence. Yeah. Being strategic for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. So in Calgary and actually universally with the market pulling back, what do you see as some challenges, I guess, as an investor and also maybe touch on some opportunities you're seeing? Yeah. I can't remember if we were talking about this, but I think that the opportunity and the challenges in the market right now kind of go hand in hand. Like there's so much talk about interest rates rising. Interest rates are supposed to drop in the year or two, and then housing market is supposed to drop 25% and all of these things. So people are really hesitant to buy right now. The thing for a lot of investors, even a lot of people looking to buy their first time home, this idea of waiting for the market to get better, right? I think it's so easy to be influenced by what we see on social media, what we see on the news. If prices are expected to drop 25%, one, it depends your location, right? Those are primary markets like BC and Ontario that they're expecting 25% housing pricing drops. That's to combat the unprecedented housing market rise over the last years. Saskatchewan and Manitoba are supposed to stay fairly stable and Alberta somewhere in between. So one location is a big piece, but two, if housing prices do drop and interest rates do drop, right? Let's say in a year's time, 2023, all of a sudden, everyone that's been in the woodwork waiting to buy is going to come out. They're also predicting though that inventory rates are going to fall as well. So there's not going to be as much housing available for people. So for all those people that waited that year period and come out in the woodwork when prices drop and interest rates drop and there's less houses, we're going to be back at square one. <laughs> we're going to have multiple offers, all cash offers, you know, no contingencies. Don't wait. I think that this is the opportunity and the struggle. We're in a weird time right now, but find someone who can help you with what you have and what you can do. So like we said, maybe you're not buying an $800,000 fourplex. Maybe instead you're buying a hundred and $80,000 condo because you can buy that in Calgary. And that's amazing. Two bedrooms, one bath, 180,000, maybe do a short-term rental instead, or you buy it, you live in one room, you house hack the other out and rent it. Like, don't feel that you are trapped in the market or waiting to be in something better. What can you do now? Again, like we said, did you want to buy back in 2019 or back in 2020 when it was a buyer's market and you didn't buy then? And then you want to buy in 2021 and 2022, but it was crazy. We couldn't buy that. How long are you going to wait? So don't let this new shift continue to slow you down. Find someone who can help you, a mortgage broker, a real estate agent that specializes with investors. I don't know, just take advantage of the market now where you can, but get the help to do it. So great advice. Yeah. Now I'm going to hit you with some quick response questions. So just okay. whatever comes to mind, just <laughs> throw it out there. Okay. So what's an app or a software you use for your business that you couldn't live without? It's not a very creative answer, but Google Calendar, my whole life is in there. Everything works personal. Yeah, my whole life is on a timer and a schedule. Yep, Google Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then if someone were to Google you, what's something they couldn't find out about you on Google? That's a good question. I have two wedding planning certifications that I'll probably never use in my life. And I've traveled to like 17 countries. I love oh. international travel. Yep. Cool. Cool. And then did you end up doing any wedding planning stuff? Or? <laughs> no. no. I was set to work with a wedding planner here in Calgary when we first moved here. I was like, this is sweet. I want to shadow with her, learn from her. And then COVID hit and never thought twice about it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And then what's a favorite book of yours? 
I would say too, like for personal well-being, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod kind of changed my life. I've read it a couple times, love it. And then for business, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is an unreal book. They go, actually, they go very well hand in hand together. I have, yeah, I'll have to look up The Miracle Morning. I haven't done mm-hmm. that one. I haven't read that one. I cannot rave enough about it. It's on my list now. Perfect. <laughs> and what things, activities do you like doing with your downtime outside of real estate investing? I love going to the dog park. I feel like we live in such a great city with so many amazing dog parks. I love the dog park. Workouts, I love the bar studio we go downtown to. Traveling, though that's been on hold for the last years. I also just, I don't know, I love exploring Calgary. I think we live in such an unreal city with amazing cafes and restaurants and parks. So yeah, workouts, kayaking, exploring. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks, Anne, so much for joining me today. Now, people are going to want to read each other too. What's the best way for them to find you online? Great question. Two places you can go. Instagram, my handle is at leanne.realestate. Or if you are looking to purchase an investment property or you're looking to purchase a home, my website is www.viewcalgaryhomes.com. You can reach out to me then. And yeah, I would be so happy to help in any way I can. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Corey. It's been such a pleasure. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Calgary Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peckford. I'm an investment-focused real estate agent. I also have a certification as a master home inspector. I'm currently partnering on a property flip in Calgary with Shirley Evans, who I consider to be a professional property flipper. Shirley has a wealth of real estate knowledge. We're going to be offering Eventbrite meetups at the property. So if you're in the Calgary area, we'd love for you to stop by and check it out. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, my number is 587-893-2272. You can follow me on Instagram at PeckfordCorey or check out my website and that's just CoreyPeckford.com. Plus, you can also join our new Facebook group, Calgary Real Estate Investing Group. That's Craig for short. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.